This is Live Well Talk on cleaning procedures as a result of COVID-19. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnityPoint Health St. Luke's Hospital. While the peak of COVID-19 pandemic has passed and is unlikely to return in a surge fashion, safety precautions are still top of mind for patients as well as hospital team members and clinicians. As a result of the pandemic, St. Luke's has implemented several new cleaning procedures to ensure your safety while visiting the hospital. Joining me to discuss those uh, today is Susan Woods, Environmental Services Supervisor at St. Luke's. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Correct. You know, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the uh, pillars of a hospital is one is the uh, expectation of uh, a clean environment. Uh, I think that's that, that's something people can relate to. That's something people see, and I, I think you know your team does a great job of that. Thank you. And very proud of them. I, I made the comment the other day that I expect uh, I expect no fear from nurses and physicians and respiratory therapists, but I was so impressed with the absence of fear that I saw from environmental services, maintenance, how these people just stepped up during this time. So I'd like to talk about some of the things that we did. Uh, also make it clear that we have cleanliness all the time. This wasn't like a new thing. You know, it kind of upset me that or, or worried me how like people had to be reminded to wash their hands after they went to the bathroom. That kind of scared me a little bit. And particularly since there was no toilet paper. So that was even more worrisome, you know, that, but anyway, so I know it's a top priority. What are some of the steps that were taken during, as a result of COVID, that maybe you enhanced previously that you were doing? The high-touch areas like elevator buttons, light switches, doorknobs, um, handrails, we try to do multiple times during the day. Um, we've asked our staff to even take uh, oxicide rag that we use for our disinfectant or a cavi wipe when they go to break and wipe down their pathway to there. We have a place on first floor that they discard that, and then they can continue washing their hands and go on to their break or lunch. Now, the, the, the cavi wipe, uh, that, that is, is that an alcohol-based or bleach-based? What is, what is the chemical in that? That's alcohol-based. Alcohol-based. Yes. And we, the alcohol, what is it? It's 60 or 70% that you want 70%, 70% I think, 70% to, yeah. to be effective in this situation. Well, uh, I, I know significant cleaning happens all the time, but the emergency department is one that people are coming to, right? You know, that, and that's the 53,000 to 60,000 visits a year, as opposed to 25,000 admissions to the hospital. So a majority of the front door of the hospital is the emergency room that people come to. What are some measures taken to keep that department clean? We've uh, recently in the past have upped that to two times a day cleaning. We clean it on third shift where we have more accessibility to get into the patient rooms, and we clean it on first shift. We wipe down the waiting area, the input to where the people are coming in several times a day to make sure that we're keeping people safe. All right. And by wipe down again, it's with that alcohol-based... Or we, we actually would use our oxicide dis- disinfectant. It's a ten, five minute, I'm sorry, five minute kill time for keeping a wet surface, which is better than, this, than the past um, disinfectant that we had. So you know, that's a point I want to ask you. Okay, so I was at Hy-Vee last night after work, picking you know the the frantic call to pick up something on the way home, and I noticed in between they were the the uh, the the place where you set your groceries. You know the well, what the the belt the, the belt through. Yeah, I was noticing the belt. They sprayed it down after each person, but they didn't let it dry. 
should should you let it dry? Yes, and that's where your kill time comes. Yeah, yeah. So you just, don't wipe it off. No. So spraying it down and then just wiping it right off is probably not as effective. No. See, that's what I thought. Yeah. So we when we disinfect, we leave our surfaces wet for five minutes. When you sanitize, you wipe it off. You can wipe it off right away, and it doesn't have to say wet for the five minutes. Okay, so they might be using some sort of sanitizer. Sanitizer, yeah. All right, which makes sense. You can't wait five minutes in between people. So I know we've had some new technology over the years. We have the Zen X machine. Yes. Uh, EX. It's a, it's a palindrome. Uh, X-E-N-E-X, Xenex. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you've ever been outside the hospital and coming back in and seeing that flash, you wonder what's going on the first time you see it. But anyway, I know that's been around a while, but uh, can you talk about that particular technology and what that does? It uh, kills the bacteria and virus after it's been cleaned. So our housekeeper would go into a discharged room and completely clean it, top to bottom, under the bed, all the surfaces. And then we go in and we run, we have two Xenix machines that are four minute cycles and one that has five minute cycle that is just continuous. It just has a continuous ultraviolet glow the entire time that doesn't have the noise, which we use in our ICU because of the patients. And um, we run three, five minute, three, four minute cycles, two in the room and one in the bathroom. And so the ultraviolet um, kills the viruses. We hang up the telephone receiver, we hang up the call button. We do not make the bed until after we're done, pull up the side rail so all those surfaces are hit by that ultraviolet um, beam and kill that. So it helps to keep from one patient to the next because that may be a lot of times where you might acquire something, but we're wiping everything down with our oxicide and then we go in and, and uh, use the Xenix. We do all COVID rooms that we're called for. With the Xenix? Yes, with the Xenix, yep. We even do the exam rooms over at CWCH when they have a suspected COVID that comes in there. How long, just routine, not anything special, but patient gets discharged. How, how long does it take a housekeeper to get that room turned over and clean? Um, if we get in there right away, probably 35 to 50 minutes, yeah. depending on how long they've been there, it, it, yeah, how, exactly. much, how many items are in the room. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't sound like a long time, but when you have 12 rooms to turn over, you know, now all of a sudden that's a lot, that's a lot of your days taking care of that, isn't it? Yeah, we're trying to keep up on throughput to get the patients Absolutely. up into the room so they're more comfortable not laying on a gurney in the ED because that's like you said, most of our patients come in through there, so. Now, and you've seen the pendulum swing, you know, I can remember when first floor is all tile, you know, and then we put carpet in to keep the noise down and it made a difference, but you know, I've always had trepidation about having that carpet there, you know, it was, the tile floor seemed like we could get it cleaner, but you know, that's another podcast we can talk about. Yeah, the so, good thing is now most of our patient rooms are, we have very few that have carpet in. Yeah, most we went back to that kind of the hard of, surface. Uh, articulate uh, yeah, vinyl. faux yeah. sort of uh, wood flooring, which looks nice and does absorb a little bit more noise than tile. You know, that's been proven. So the, the, there is the new technology, and just if you could touch on the CASPER system that uses hydrogen peroxide. Now, that's just a continuous, just continuously flows through the room. And the difference between that is that's continuous, like you said. It's doing it the entire 24 hours a day. Where Xenix, we go in, we do the 15 minutes if we're using that machine. And then, and then the when, a, when a person would come in and touch a service, it may be contaminated again, where the Casper would be continually disinfecting that room. When I, I first heard about that, 
Lori Townsend was telling me about that. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't work, you know. But then I did my research, and that that's an it's an impressive product, mm-hmm. yeah. and it, it's it's going to be neat how it works over the long term Correct, to, to yeah. see if we do see a, a decrease in transmission. But on the positive note, I mean, we have in the last five years seen decrease in clostridium difficile transmission in the hospital, MRSA, VRE. Those have all declined, mm-hmm. you know? and C diff was a big part of the C diff yeah decline because we picked a couple areas that had high CDF rates, and they significantly significantly dropped. And also with the CASPER, it is even um, in our trialed area, the staffing uh, absences declined also. So that's another good thing. From oh, that. so less people got sick. Yes, yeah. From staff standpoint. Yeah. That is, that is interesting. Speaking of staff, in the first SARS epidemic, SARS-1, uh, the anesthesiology and housekeeping were the most two affected healthcare workers. But we did pretty well this, didn't we? We didn't have... We did. Yeah, yeah. And yep. we didn't have any anesthesiologists that got mm-hmm. significantly yeah. sick. So Yeah, we, we do training every year, and then all the new people get a one-on-one or one-on-two training with our PPE guidelines. And we really are pretty strict with enforcing that, not only for the safety of them especially, but the other patients and our staff, we don't want to transmit it from one person to another. We want to treat people like their family. We, we care about, and our patients are number one. That's why we're here. Well, I, th- I think that's common knowledge that your department understands that there's a patient on the end of each of their actions. They're preventing, measurably preventing disease, really. You know, where as physicians, we hope we're, but you know, we can't, just because I manage someone's blood pressure, yeah, they might not have a stroke 40 years from now. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you guys are preventing something from happening that within the following days. You did, you did mention the Center for Women's and Health across the street. Is there any certain precautions you take differently there? Well, I mean, we're still concentrating even more so. We've always concentrated on high-touch areas. We are um, Xenixing the uh, prep rooms that the, where they come in when they're suspected COVID. And then when they discharge, we go in and, and Xenix that after we've cleaned. It, that's safe for the babies that are over there, correct? Yes. Ultraviolet light doesn't yes. hurt them. Yeah. That's, I well, would nobody, think so. Yeah, nobody's in the room when you do it. Okay. Yeah. But even if they were, it wouldn't hurt the... Well, the, it might affect their, their eyes and their skin, but you can look through a window. You're just not in the area. We have a cone that's outside that detects the motion that it would shut it off immediately if it de- detected anybody in the room. So, no, nobody is in the room. Okay, so it's safe. No. Right, good. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's your yeah. young parents. They want to yeah. do those sort yeah. of things. Well, this, this is really great information. I'm so proud of you and your team uh, because they're always there and always helpful. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. Again, this is Susan Woods, Environmental Services Supervisor at St. Luke's. For more information, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.